evening, everybody. Really great to have you here. Um, we're so excited about this crowd tonight. Um, the, and, t and tomorrow, the, uh, we've kind of doubled our numbers at uh, Refuel this year, so we're really excited and, and grateful to have all of you here. Uh, can everybody hear me? You can hear me okay? Good. Um, I just, I, I want to get right to it. Um, I'm just so grateful we had the opportunity to begin with Mass. Uh, thank you, Father Mark. Father Mark's with us all weekend long for liturgies. We really appreciate that. Uh, I just want to get right to Jessie and uh, introduce her to you. Her name is Jessie, not Carrie. I apologize um, for that. <laughs> but when you have two first names, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what happens. Uh, Jessie's a South Dakota girl, so she's from the Diocese of Sioux Falls, even though that is the other side. Uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll take her. We'll take her. Um, she now lives and works in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, she's a member of the Pontifical Secular Institute of the Apostolic Oblates, and she made her final vows in 2015, uh, and she is also the National Director of the Pro-Sanctity Movement in the USA. She's a retreat director, a spiritual director, a formation directress for the Apostolic Oblates. She's a teacher at the Institute for Priestly Formation, uh, and an instructor for the Archdiocese of Omaha's Permanent Diaconate Formation Program. So I don't know how she had time to come here uh, with all of those different hats, um, but she comes to us with a lot of great formation and uh, experience. And so I'm personally, I'm very excited to hear what she has to teach us about uh, catechesis and prayer and the heart and desire. So without further ado, here is Jesse Carey. I'm very delighted to be here with you, and I always love an opportunity to come back to South Dakota. It doesn't matter which part of it. Um, I'm grateful to be here, so um, thank you for welcoming and inviting me here. Uh, let's just start with a pause and prayer. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we call to mind that we are in the loving gaze of our Heavenly Father, we are being drawn at every moment into the heart of Christ. And that the Spirit lives and dwells within us. Invited to pay attention and to notice God's presence. To notice what is capturing our attention. what is occupying our thoughts. Lord Jesus, we come before you and ask you to send your Holy Spirit to open our minds and hearts to receive all that you desire to give to us, to learn at every moment to entrust ourselves more and more to you. To surrender the desires of our hearts so that you can make them bigger, more amazing, and eternal. 
so that the whole world may know the love of the Father. As we gather together, we come to the Father, praying in the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> um, at the beginning of each of our sessions, um, there will be handouts on that table. So we'll just have them as we go so it's not confusing which one we might be looking at at any given moment. Um, so just invite you to look there as we come in. Um, holler at me if you can't hear me, or if it's too loud, or falling asleep or whatever, anything you need. Um, as we begin tonight, um, I just want to um, to notice and, and the invitation of the theme that uh, we were given, uh, desire catechesis in the heart of Christ. Um, and we are, um, in our studies of Omaha, we're in the process of um, implementing uh, a pastoral plan. Um, I understand that you, your diocese did this um, a short time ago. And um, one of the priorities is evangelization and discipleship. Um, so we've been reading all sorts of documents and having meetings about how we can invite everyone to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And um, so I was really excited about this topic. And um, it's been a great gift to, um, to kind of deepen as well. And one of the um, things that I've been noticing and, and praying with is that sometimes we separate um, evangelization and the encounter with catechesis. Um, and then we die. It's all over them. Um, because they, they're meant to be one. They're meant to go together. Um, and, and the encounter and the word and the truth are the same person. And so that's really the invitation um, that we start with this weekend is how do we stay with Jesus so that we can say yes to his vision that he's already accomplishing in us. Okay? He wants it to be really easy. Okay? He wants to do the work for us. And so this weekend we're really going to go back and see um, how we cooperate with that, how we surrender to that. And things that might get into the way of that and how we can be more generous and engaged. Um, feel free at any time, if you have a question, um, just raise your hand. Our last session tomorrow afternoon, I'll invite you to, um, to offer questions. Um, so if there's something that's percolating in you, um, write it down and um, keep track of it too so we can go back and look. Um, and the real purpose of this is is to serve you and the ministry that you are all engaged in. Um, so, so please feel free to um, let me know what you need in terms of that. As we begin tonight, I want to start with um, this beautiful definition from the Catechism. And um, starting with hope. And hope and desire are, are intimately connected. So um, with that theme that we're going to be um, looking at this weekend, I'm going to start with this, um, this 
invitation to pay attention to this, this virtue of hope. And it's this virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness. Placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. And I want to break this down into kind of two parts. The first is desiring the kingdom of heaven as our happiness. I once had a friend um, in high school, we had this conversation. Um, I don't remember a lot of conversations I had, but this one stuck with me. Um, because um, he thought that heaven would be really boring. Some years around the same time. And I didn't really know what heaven was going to be like, but I was pretty sure it wasn't going to be boring. Okay. And sometimes, though, it's hard to imagine the kingdom of heaven. It's beyond what we can imagine. And so we come away with sort of this, um, this boring conclusion of what heaven may be. And so to desire something boring isn't really part of our nature. We want things that are exciting and captivating and engaging and um, attract our attention and move us. And so part of the virtue of hope helps us to say, wow, and imagine the kingdom of heaven. And when Jesus was here, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here. The kingdom of heaven is that encounter with Christ. And all of you are here this weekend and said yes to taking this time out of your busy lives and schedules and other commitments and making sacrifices. So you know that that encounter with Jesus Christ changes everything and that it's not boring. And so we start with that invitation to ask for the gift to imagine what that looks like. What does it look like if we have a world that every single person knows Christ and every single day we know him more and more and more and that there's never an end to that. We never finish and we never want to finish. We just want to go back for more and more and more. And we want to imagine that um, with our hearts and ideas, but we want to imagine, imagine it in the concrete. What does that look like in your parish, in your day, in your family? What does that look like as you go about Grocery shopping, sitting in traffic, or at the stoplight. <laughs> in the ordinary things of daily life, what does that look like? And then we discover that we can't actually bring this about. We can't accomplish this on our own. We need to learn to trust in Christ's promise and strength, that he, in fact, can and desires to accomplish the kingdom of heaven in us, for us, with us. That it's not our work, and that we will fail miserably if 
we try to make it our work. But that he is doing it. He's strong enough and he's faithful enough to accomplish that for us and with us. So this invitation to imagine the kingdom of heaven and trust that Christ is desiring to give that to us. going to start with a story here as we begin. Um, this image gives us a nice thing. Did your email inbox leave you with a deep sense of dread instead of deep sense of hope? Okay. It's hope how you describe your email inbox. Anybody have hope when they? Okay. I don't have hope often either. Okay. So several, this is several years ago and I, um, we facilitate, I, um, we live and work, I live and work at a retreat center. Um, and we do primarily day retreats um, and a lot of confirmation retreats. So we were right in the middle of confirmation season. And um, it was like kind of the perfect storm of lots of confirmation <coughs> retreats, um, some travel um, that I didn't have access to email for a while. And then I came back and I was sick. And so I went the next day and I sat down at my desk and thought, all right, I need to, to go check my email, respond to my email. And I opened it up and I had 1,900 unread emails and I wanted to die. I just wanted to close my email account and start a new one and never look back. Um, and I realized that I didn't think Jesus could do anything about. This was an utterly hopeless situation that um, even God had no control over. <laughs> but someone told me once that Jesus could do anything. And so I said, okay, Jesus, I kind of don't think you can do anything about this, but I'm going to ask you. And hope that I'm wrong, and please fix this. I don't know what to do. I feel like I could sit at my desk for the rest of my life and answer emails, and I would never catch up. And I really want you to do something about this. And so I thought I'd give him a couple of minutes to think about it. What's going to do? And so I went and did a few other things and came back to my desk and said, okay, Jesus, what are you, you going to do? And this thought occurred to me. It was very simple. Start at the back. Well, you know, people who wrote longer ago probably deserve a response more immediately than somebody who wrote yesterday. So we'll start at the back. And I just started answering emails, responding saving attachments, deleting stuff. That was FYI, and it was two weeks ago. And I worked for about an hour and a half to two hours. And then I looked and I had 300 unread emails. And I thought, well, that's not possible. Wow. Jesus can answer emails, too. <laughs> this is amazing. He can do anything. And he actually cares deeply about what we care about. 
He cares about our groceries. He cares about our to-do lists. He cares about how many loads of laundry we have left to do. Cares about that conversation that we don't really want to have. Every single ridiculous detail we can imagine, Jesus cares about. And he's the king of the universe and the savior of the world, not me, not you. And if we let him in to the details of our day, it makes all the difference in the world. And every single day, when we wake up in the morning, he is waiting to show us the miracle that he's desiring to accomplish in our day. Every single day. A new gift, a new grace, a new way to encounter him. A new way to share him, reveal him to the world. And so when we experience these moments in our day with a deep sense of dread or fear or worry or being overwhelmed or being excited but not really knowing what to do or any other possible experience, he desires nothing more than to be invited to be a part of it, to reveal to us that he actually cares about everything we care about. That it's not by, though many saints in the church have been called to this, but for most of us, it's not by going away from the world that we encounter him, but it's by being immersed in the little details of daily life. When I was discerning my vocation, um, I was visiting a few different religious orders, and <clears throat> um, and I loved I loved some of the communities. And every time I say, "Okay, Jesus, is this where you want me?" He would say, "No, I don't want you here." And when I met the Apostolic Oblates, our call is to be immersed in the world, and uh, that's what differentiates a secular institute from a religious order is that we're called to be immersed in, in daily life. And along with all of the laity, to transform the world from within. To be light and salt and leaven. And it scared me because I thought, well, there's all sorts of stuff that would make that really difficult. But it's the call of everybody else. So God must have a plan and a way to make me a saint in the muck of every day. And he does for each one of us. And that's the only invitation that we have to offer people. But it's a great invitation. There's nothing better. God's going to make you a saint in your life, in your daily life. Whatever happens today, he's making you a saint. And if we say yes to this invitation, then, then it makes a radical difference in every circumstance in our day. Every encounter, everything we 
experience everything we need to do. And throughout this weekend, we're going to look at, at how to say more, yes more and more to that gift. I have a couple quotes here from Space All Day, which is a document from Pope Benedict on hope. And you have the quotes on one of the papers. So um, this is from number two. I showed great restraint in only giving you a front and back in this. I just want you to know. It's a great document. You should go back and read it. Um, but it, it's really beautiful. He says that only when the future is certain as a positive reality does it become possible to live the present as well. Okay. I want to stop at that sentence and talk about that a little bit. Only when the future is certain as a positive reality does it become possible to live the present as well. Okay. Now if you think about our world, do you think most people think that we have an absolutely positive, certain future, that it's going to be great with absoluteness, with only goodness, truth, and beauty to look forward to. We start this retreat on the day of the inauguration. <laughs> There's at least some question in some people's minds about the future. But as Christians, we have the promise, and we know the end of the story, that Christ conquers overwhelmingly. Everything. Even American government. He conquers overwhelmingly. And so the reality of the future is, is beyond what we can ever ask or imagine. It's not just tolerable. It's glorious. And so only when we're aware of this, attentive to this truth, can we live in the present moment. Otherwise, we're trying to fix the future and figure out how to dig out of a hole. But if we keep our gaze fixed on the truth of the resurrection, Christ conquering even death, then we can say yes to whatever's happening in the present moment. Because it doesn't matter how dark or light it is. There is certain light in the future. So now we can say Christianity was not only good news, the communication of a hitherto unknown content. In our language, we would say the Christian message was not only informative, but performative. It's not just information, but it's action. It's reality. And that really is the heart of why we're here this weekend. 
a catechesis that only gives information, is it Christian? A catechesis that gives the person of Christ is Christian. Christ is truth. So anytime we teach information that's true, we have an opportunity to give Jesus to someone. And that's what Pope Benedict is inviting us to consider. That means the gospel is not merely a communication of things that can be known. It is one that makes things happen. The gospel makes things happen. And is life-changing. So think about the kingdom of heaven in our parishes where kids go to religious ed and youth group and mass and adults participate in different formation and their life is changed. This is what God is doing in our church. Some days we'd like to have him make it a little more apparent, but he is accomplishing this. And we want to cooperate more and more fully with that. And so we're called to live in hope. The one who has hope lives differently. We want to be different. Really, really, really different. The one who hopes has been granted the gift of a new life. But sometimes we forget this. That at this very moment, we are being given new life. And at this very moment, we are being given new life. And right now, we are being given new life. What's that like? <coughs> Do we notice? What effect does it have on the decisions that we make, the way we spend our time? <coughs> the way we experience our day. Usually when we receive a present, it makes a difference in our day. We think about it later on. We show people every moment we are receiving this gift of a new life. So how do we notice that, pay attention to it, and receive it in the midst of all the busy activities that we are also called to be present to? These two things are not mutually exclusive. They're not fighting against each other. Our families are not an impediment to our being with Christ. The people we serve are not a distraction from our prayer life. In and through those concrete circumstances that we're called to engage in every day, Christ wants to bring us this gift of hope and new life that radically changes every single experience and encounter.
So I just want you to take a moment and notice if there's anything that feels like you have 1,900 emails in your inbox <laughs> that you think of with dread or fear, hopelessness, that makes you tired, causes stress. And absolutely, we want to take these things to the Lord during prayer, but we don't actually have to wait until we go to the chapel. Get down right now. So as you notice things throughout the weekend, talk to Jesus. You can tune me out for 20 minutes while you talk to Jesus. It's okay. He knows way more than I do. Take what you notice and immediately share it with him. This is from number 12. A first essential setting for learning hope is prayer. Nope, sorry, that's the next slide. This one gives me two, and I have to look at the right one. Um, to imagine ourselves outside the temporality, present moment, that imprisons us, and in some way, to sense that eternity is not an unending succession of days in the calendar. Now think about that. That's why we don't really think heaven sounds like a great idea. It's just one day after another day after another day after another day forever. That's what we think of sometimes. That's not what it is, but something more like the supreme moment of satisfaction. At supper, we were talking about trips around the world and the food we eat. And if you've ever been to Italy, you have to go to have gelato at least twice a day. It's a rule. Sometimes they don't communicate that to everybody, but it's a rule. <laughs> Jesus entering into our day is way better than gelato. If people tell you gelato is like ice cream, they've never had gelato. It's way better. Supreme moment of satisfaction. The happiest moment of your life. When you're most perfectly happy. God wants to bring us something that's infinitely greater than that. in which totality embraces us and we embrace totality. This we can only attempt. It would be like plunging into the ocean of infinite love, a moment in which time, the before and after, no longer exists. We can only attempt to grasp the idea 
But such a moment is life in the full sense, a plunging ever anew into the vastness of being in which we are simply overwhelmed with joy. That's what we're being invited to imagine, and God wants to stretch our imagination. So each day, we can encounter a little more and more what that full sense of being alive is like. That we've only attempted to taste, but is being offered to us at every moment in greater fullness with overwhelming joy. Where do we learn that? The first essential setting for learning hope is prayer. This is the shortcut. And we're going to talk specifically about prayer tomorrow morning. When no one listens to me anymore, God still listens to me. Okay, every mother and father should put that on their wall. It's okay. Somebody's still listening to you. When I can no longer talk to anyone or call upon anyone, I can always talk to God. We don't even have to use words. We don't actually even have to know what's going on. We can still bring it to him. When there is no longer anyone to help me deal with a need or expectation that goes beyond the human capacity for hope, he can help me. When it's so messy, we can't even imagine that there's a solution. God can help me. When I have been plunged into complete solitude, If I pray, I'm never totally alone. And this is always true. Prayer doesn't only work sometimes. The experience that we have, that we have of it differs, but it always bears fruit. Always. So what does all this have to do with desire? Because that's why we're here this weekend, to talk about desire. This great quote from St. Augustine in this document, it's from Space Ave number 33. St. Augustine describes very beautifully the intimate relationship between prayer and hope. He defines prayer as an exercise of desire. Somewhere along the line, many of us learned that God doesn't want us to share our desires with him or cultivate our desires. or He just wants us to do what he wants us to do. He placed his very life in us. And it's in and through our desire 
which every desire ultimately leads us to God. He gave that to us. He wants us to notice and to pay attention to the desires of our hearts. Every desire, not just the ones that we deem important. Every single one. <coughs> Prayer is an exercise of desire. Man was created for greatness, for God himself. That's why we exist. He was created to be filled by God. But his heart's too small for the greatness to which it is destined. We often want things a lot smaller than God. But even this he can use. It has to be stretched. By delaying his gift, at times he waits a little before our desire is fulfilled completely. God strengthens our desire. Through desire, he enlarges our soul, and by expanding it, he increases its capacity for receiving him. What we want, what we desire, he wants to know about. The desires of our heart don't lead away from God, but to him. They're an occasion for him to show us more of what we really want. When I sat down and had an excessive amount of unread emails in my inbox. I wanted them to all go away. But that would have been really dissatisfying too. I'm a total perfectionist and that would have like bugged me forever and ever and ever. I would have just closed my email account and said forget about it. What about all those people? I'm sure there was something I was supposed to do. I didn't really just want it to go away. That was a starting point. But I want to be saved and redeemed from the limitations that I encounter in my daily life. And that's actually what Jesus did. He showed me in a very practical, concrete way by saving me from my emails. But he saves us in the midst of our own poverty and the poverty of the world and transforms and gives new life to every concrete circumstance. Always without fail. We're going to have an opportunity now to um, spend some time with Jesus in prayer. Um, and we'll have an opportunity really after every conference um, to be with the Lord. So um, this isn't a silent retreat, and I'm not going to tell you it's a silent retreat. 
Um, it's also a good opportunity for you to share with each other your experiences, your ministry. So I encourage you to ask each other, um, how are you? What do you need? What's going well? What's a struggle? Okay. Throughout the weekend, as you talk to each other. But to really take advantage of the times of prayer, we're not going to take attendance to the chapel. You can go wherever you want to. Um, I'll have scripture passages that you can choose to pray with or not. Um, but I really encourage you to receive. Hopefully some of what I say will be helpful this weekend, but Jesus is really um, the source and summit, as Father so beautifully invited us to remember. And he has what we need. And so to go to him um, in the really important and big things and in the little things that he, you think maybe he doesn't really care about and discover what he has to say, how he wants to respond to you personally. He has nothing better to do than to pay attention to you. Okay. So let him. This is the invitation as we go to pray. The scripture passage is there for you. Um, it's from Mark chapter 10, Jesus healing Bartimaeus, giving him sight. Okay. And in this passage, Jesus isn't just really dense and slow and inattentive, like, this is a blind man, what do you think he wants? But he wants Bartimaeus to come to him with the desire of his heart. And he wants you to come to him with the desires of your heart. What do you want me to do for you? And don't ask for little things. Ask for everything. He's the king of the universe and the savior of the world. Go big. As you ask for something, say, well, what else do I want? What else? And give him everything. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.